Hello Tabletop Wargamers, and welcome to Tried and True, a podcast hosted by the Delaware War Machine community. Join us as we dive deep into topics around our favorite games, exploring methods and techniques proven to enhance anyone's gaming experience. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 19th episode of Tried and True. I am your host, Paul. I'm Dan. Oh man, back again, Dan. It's uh it's 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 been a bit of a hiatus, right? Yeah, actually, I haven't been on an episode in a while, so I'm uh, really excited to get back. <laughs> I mean, like, it, it, I think in general, because uh, we we did the 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 last uh, how to plan your uh, event, but with all everything like Mark IV happening, we're getting a bunch of games in, we're tra- testing out the new rules, and it's it's been great. It's been a fun time. Uh, we are currently prepping for packs unplugged right now so if you follow advanced maneuvers tony over there has been uh putting a plug in for that on his uh channel so he should be having one more episode online i believe next week he's going to be doing a live stream and i also believe that it is november 17th at the time of the recording so you should be able to sign up so if you go take a look it says that it is a 50 point mark four event there is going to be an a way for us to, if you have any questions about it, you can uh, you know, go and post those questions and we'll answer them during uh, the Advanced Maneuvers stream next week. And yeah, it, it's going to be a fun time. We got a lot of really cool stuff. I had some custom tokens made. We were going to have a lot of raffles to go give away models. Uh, I, we actually ended up getting some prize support from Privateer Press. We got an Orgoth Battle Box as well as two of those Alexia models. So if you ended up not doing the longest wait, uh, Dan, actually, if you wanted to, you could actually come up and get your Alexia model. So uh oh wait that's right you ended up getting it with uh with with the shared custody with pete right yeah that's right but i have to share my baby with pete <laughs> all right well it's true it's true uh okay, all right. I, guess what I forgot to do again today what's that buy my ticket for packs unplugged you gotta go do it you gotta go do it i i, I already heard that it. i've already heard that some people already started signing up for it so it's gonna be fun uh i signed up for the tournament i didn't i didn't buy my ticket for the con yet <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> Oh my god. All right, well let's go ahead and uh thank a couple of people so more than dice. Thank you for giving us a platform for this uh as well as um you know all the other podcasts that they have out there so you have advanced maneuvers, you have Boker Broadcast, Minority Report, War Dice. There's lots of good stuff that's out there. If you like what you're listening to, please consider subscribing onto the YouTube channel. We have battle reports. We have Mark IV battle reports coming. Hope you're going to be excited about them. There's uh, some really fun stuff. I know that there is an Infernals Grimkin match that's in the works. And I believe at the time of recording, they are... Actually, I think they're recording the... Uh, what is it? It's uh, it's it's Gators versus Signar, I believe, is uh, happening uh, tonight. So, yeah, that, that's going to be coming out uh, soon. So, it, it, really, really exciting stuff. And then uh, finally, for everybody that's on Patreon, thank you for your continued support. If you want to go ahead and support the calls, take a look at the Patreon. You'll see it in the show notes. And all your support ups, helps us be able to create more quality content for you. Now, without further ado, if you go and take a look at the episode, we actually have a very special guest. I, I actually wanted to have this guest on for a while now. Uh, we have Marcy. And for those of you who do not know, Marcy was on the WTC American team, USA Apollo, uh, she won the Boca Brawl team event with her team this past October, and she's won multiple Warfare Weekend Invitational qualifiers, including Capticon, Liberty Brawl, and Nova. And just recently, you know, uh, last weekend, was it two weekends ago, won the Warfare Weekend Invitational in Privateer Press's Iron Gauntlet. So without further ado, Marcy, welcome to Tried and True. 
Glad I can finally be here. I know it's so exciting. It's because like, I, I remember I, I think I like messaged you like a while ago. I'm like, hey, you want to like get on like the show at some point? And this was like months ago when we we're like talking about like different ideas. But no, it, it's great. I'm glad that you that I'm glad that the the stars have aligned that we were able to finally get you on. Yeah, I'm super glad too. Um, having you on is great. You're like a uh, local celebrity to us. Oh my gosh, yeah, 100%. Uh, if anybody didn't know, Marcy's name is on our plaque at our uh, at our store. So. Got that in there. Say, <laughs> like, feed the ego some more. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super happy that I can finally come on. I know we've kind of talked about it before, uh, like doing an episode. But I think like schedules just haven't aligned. So. Well, I mean, you've been so busy with all these different events, and I mean, like, with like warfare weekend. <laughs> well, I, I guess I was like wondering, is it possible? Because like, what we want to talk about is competitive play. But before we even get started, can you kind of give a little bit of a synapse or a, sorry, not synapses, brains? No, a, a synopsis of um, a synopsis of like this year, like all the different events, like the different Warfare Weekend qualifiers, or invitational qualifiers you went to, uh, the 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 Iron Gauntlet, and I mean even WTC. Like, yeah, tell tell us more about yourself. Who are you? So I've been playing the game for many years at this point, playing traveling for events for at least the last four or five years. Um, but I've been playing a bit longer than that, just uh, not as intense as I have these past few years. Um, this year, I was able to go to uh, just about one event per month, which was uh, pretty great. Uh, I've kind of just been going to more and more. Like I did LVO, uh, which was uh not my best showing but it was like a wonderful event and like can't win them all uh but <laughs> that was the start of my year and then uh we had captain con which i always enjoy the event seth and Zosha run a fantastic event mm-hmm. uh and that was my first master win of ever uh so it was kind of like a nice like like i went into the year wanting at least one master's win and uh i didn't expect it so early so like it was kind of nice to get out that get that out of the way uh and then uh, I just kind of continued doing qualifiers throughout the year. Uh, there was the Atlantic City Open, which was like a bit of a smaller event because it was uh, a bit like last minute and it was like a newer event. Uh, but and the space that was provided for them was just a bit smaller due to uh, how the Atlantic City Open was run. Uh, and um, I also went out to Minnesota for the Twin Towers Throwdown, uh, got third there, um, and kind of just kept traveling to events. There was the Liberty Brawl, there was the Northeast Rumble that uh, Socha and the uh, Massachusetts crew put together, which that was great. Like, there were so many new qualifiers this year, uh, and like I'm just so excited for to see like how they continue because uh, like I feel like the qualifiers just continue to be like some of my favorite events because uh, it's kind of like it's more relaxed like conventions are great because like there's always something to do but like these qualifiers you kind of like fly out the day before or like the night before get to like hang out with people uh, like like the Northeast Rumble uh we flew out friday uh hung around with zosha and jake for a little bit um had the qualifier went out to like dinner with like everyone and then sunday zosha and jake hosted people at their house for like a barbecue uh it was just like a great time uh because it was just very like laid back uh and then we had uh nova open which is always great um there's it's just constant cycle of things to do there's like a team event there's solo events there's 
like a board game lounge. There's so many demos for different like games going on. Like it's just a grand old time. Um, I always try to make it out for the team event every year, just because team events are honestly my favorite part of War Machine events. Like the the camaraderie and just like the different dynamic that the team aspect provides is just so fun. If you don't mind, if I can interrupt you for a second, because I I think the first time that I heard about you, were you on Molly Whoppers? I think at Boker Brawl last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I, I and I think I remember hearing it, just like oh oh yeah, like that's like the best circle player in, in the region. I'm like I I don't I don't understand why is circle so scary. And then I I heard about Kruger too, and and then the nonsense of that. I'm like Ugh, okay, right. stay hard dodge, hard dodge, please. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um... I think every one of our marrying, pairing matchup sheets, the entire team wrote a one for hard dodge. That I remember that. I, in I, that re- I remember that year because like Erica had the you know the the list that she had to go and, and play. She says, just put me in a Kruger too. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, She's like, five. I can do it. <laughs> that's that's always a nice part of the fact that I was a circle player is during team events. Uh, a lot of people just didn't want to deal with the list that Circle typically provides. So you, you got to get bust a lot of times which was nice and then how about well you talk about team events how about the wtc like what how how was that different or i guess similar to the other team events that you've done so it definitely was a bit more i think it was a bit more high stress than like anything i've done uh just because like everyone's there like everyone there is like a top player like it's kind of like the best of the best uh and everyone's like gunning for the top and like it's such a big time investment in terms of like prep and build up towards it that like it's definitely a bit more high stress and for us this was the first year for four of the five uh people on the team including myself uh so there's definitely like a bit of like freshman jitters that you kind of have to deal with uh at the wtc like there's there's definitely some aspects to like team selection where you consider people who have and haven't gone before uh just due to like the environment there and uh just like the the headspace you have to have which like i say that but also is one of my favorite events because it was just such like a a like the u.s players typically and some of the other countries uh typically take like a week off and just like get like a house or whatever and just like play games go like travel like make make a time of it and like that's wonderful upon itself uh and then like while the event's high stress it's also like a very relaxed pace uh like everything ran on time but like you get uh a lunch break after round one and while there is six rounds that's spread across two days so you're only playing three rounds of war machine each day uh so you get a bit of an earlier end and you get to like at the end of every day it was just like hang out drink and like talk to all these people that you either like never met you won't see for like another year or like You've in some cases like you've played the last two years on War Table with, and you finally get to meet. Uh, like it, it was just wonderful experience, and honestly, it was like the peak of my War Machine experiences ever. Uh, wow, like we, that's pretty incredible. We, yeah, we 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 lost round one, which was a bit of a bummer for us, but like we were able to claw it back and get six. Um, and like even then, like even after the round one loss, we we're like, this is like the best War Machine ever. <laughs> I mean, at yeah. that point, like you're, you're really are stressing your own skills against just players that they'll, they'll really, they'll, they'll grind you. Like they, you will see really what you're capable of in that kind of environment, and that has to be really, really incredible. I even heard though, and and I don't know the, I, I heard, I think it was like on Seth's Boker broadcast, but he said like round one of the WTC is the most intense because if you're out 
then you're not getting top spot. And and I guess did you feel that in the first round? Um, there was definitely a sense of deflation that we had uh, after the round one loss. Like it was a combination of like really close games that like literally like five seconds or like two dice rolls changed and like we could have won the round. Uh, but our opponents played it really well, so that's not to take away from them. Um, so, like, there was definitely a sense of, like, deflation. Thankfully, we had, like, the lunch break to kind of, like, do our combinations of coping with it. May it be sulking in the corner or, like... How many steps does it take? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, there's definitely a sense of, like, well, like, that happens. Um, but then we kind of, like, looked at it and we're like, okay, like, since since winning is out of the question, we will just do the next best thing and win every single game that we can and just try and place the highest that we possibly can. Um, so as opposed to just feeling like, oh, it's done, it's over with, we just shifted our goals from like, okay, top three to like top eight. Like top eight at the event is still wonderful. Like, uh, like yeah, honestly, honestly, like it's a field of just like constant sharks, like we got to play uh, the Polish team, who has, like, Tomasz Mucha, who, like, wonderful guy. He's, like, a circle player that I used to, like, or not used to, but, like, before I traveled as much, it was just, like, oh, like, I got to, like, watch his games and evaluate and, like, learn a lot from him just seeing him play. So, like, being able to play against their team was, like, really cool. And, like, just constant stuff like that where, like, basically the big names from, like, all the regions you kind of get to see. So... Well, and let's go and actually talk a little bit about it. And and real fast, was War Machine your first go-to war game, or did you pick up something else? Or, or how did you end up getting into War Machine? Yeah, so I got into tabletop gaming uh, about uh, 13-ish, 14-ish years ago, uh, because uh, we were moving to one of our new houses, uh, and... My dad was going through a bunch of stuff and he started pulling out like old uh, Warhammer Fantasy High Elves and like 40k Space Marines. And I started asking questions and kind of involved into like me being interested in like us finding a local game store to us. Uh, and then we bought it like I, I got into Warhammer Fantasy and Warhammer 40k uh and played those for a few years. And then when I was like uh, 13 or 14, uh, Jan out of the Maryland area, uh, who used to live down uh, in North Carolina, uh, which is where I'm from, uh, was a press ganger and kind of like sold us on the game. And we played that for a year and then the meta kind of died and I shifted back to just various other tabletop games. I played like X-Wing for a little bit, uh, mostly 40k. Um, and then War Machine kicked back up in my area again. And then it's kind of just been mono gaming that since about what uh that was about 16 so eight years ago so like no that's not right that was 17 2014-ish 20 yeah 2014 2015-ish uh yeah. and yeah, then a big spike in the game's popularity around that year yeah and then kind of because i was like uh tail end of mark 2 into yeah. mark 3 uh is basically like when games started picking up in my area and it's kind of just been uh just playing that ever since like i've definitely like dabbled in a few other games like i i played magic before uh war machine and i still play some magic mostly commander uh during the pandemic i like dabbled a bit with like mcp um and like, I've just played, like, various games, but, like, War Machine for the past, like, six-ish years has been my main game. Uh, and I 
tend to like be a mono game kind of person. Um, and yeah, I just look to keep sticking with it. Awesome. Uh, were you always like a competitive focused player with either in War Machine or in the other games as well? Uh, yeah. So like, I think like the first tournament I ever played in was like when I was like 11 or 12 and it was like a 40k tournament. And like, I just loved the competitive aspect. I used to play sports. Um, so like, I've always kind of had the mindset of like wanting to push myself to better myself in the forms of like performance. Uh, and like, even when I'm not like, even when I wasn't playing tabletops a ton, like there was a time frame where like War Machine died off and I just wasn't happy with like 40k. So I was playing a lot of like video games like CSGO, like League of Legends and such. And like even then I was playing like ranked, like I was like Diamond in League, like Borderline Challenger, like I would do CSGO competitive matches. Like I've always kind of like when I find something I enjoy, I kind of always just push it to a limit of like what's the highest competitive point I can try and take this um and I kind of do that with a lot of things and maybe for better or worse um <laughs> but <laughs> yeah but it's it's one of those things where like I've definitely over time like there's aspects of like my hobbies and like games I play where I definitely like take them more casual but like I always just feel the need to have some form of like competitive outlet so yeah, I've always kind of been this way. So, but you said that you've always been this way. Have you found that the years of playing since the 2014-15 time, like, ha have, has this helped shape your competitive nature? Have you just picked up skills? Have you picked up, I, I, I maybe like personality traits or something or, or coping skills? I, I guess like how, how have you changed? as a person like while while playing this game to becoming yeah. more competitive yeah i think um over time i've definitely like the competitive nature that i'm have now is very much different than what i had like let's say like eight years ago especially like when i was like league was my main competitive outlet like i think it's changed in a much healthier way uh, less toxic and uh for myself and outwards as well uh and more uh like growth oriented form of competitiveness like even if we just go back to like 2018 2019 i was very focused on like uh when i went to events i'd be very like uh result oriented like i'd want to win i want to like do well i would get upset over losses i'd stress over like end game states because like i was trying to close out the game and win uh, and it just kind of led to a sense of like, uh, like, like I tied my I tied my self worth to my performance. Yeah, and I was uh, gonna say and... it's like when you look at the end state of that because I I'm gonna I'll go ahead and say it it was the same thing like I, I care about the end state like I want to get that win but. It, it makes it feel like when you're on a losing streak, it's just like, Christ, why am I playing this game? But when you go and take a look, well, what did I take away from this game in order to go and get better for the next time? And, and, and it completely changes your mindset. It's the same thing I try to tell my students as well. Yeah, and I think that's kind of like a very important aspect. Uh, like when you're kind of approaching any sort of competitive play is like, it's definitely something I took many years to kind of discover is like results aren't the end all be all. Like that's very easy to say, like once you start like having the results of course but like like even before like the 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 way the game felt and the way i enjoyed events shifted dramatically when i started taking people's advice to heart of le focusing less on the results and more of like figuring out like how i can improve and what i can take away from each and every game um and it's just like it's it, it's so much better. It lets you enjoy events and just like the community a lot more. Um, when 
you're just less focused about like the end all be all and more just kind of going with the flow of like how results end up being and taking away everything from every game. Because uh, then you can kind of just enjoy what events are there for. It's like hanging out with people and having good times and playing games and less about like, oh, I lost this game. I'm going to go sulk and not hang out with people. <laughs> yeah, the game wouldn't be the game without the people in the community we play it with. So they're definitely a critical part of enjoying this. Um, you know, we're always chasing that W, but that doesn't mean that has to define us or how we play the game. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, you know, in in that in that same vein, uh, that's our big topic tonight is what is the role of competitive play in terms of War Machine and Hordes? Or well, as, it's just War Machine oh, now course, at this point. War Machine now, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I got to get that sound bite right, sorry. Um, okay, so we're going to dive in deep here on what competition is and looks like for War Machine. Um, some things that you can do to help prepare yourself for a competition uh, or you know, events in general, um, how to kind of decide what it is that you're going to invest and how you should continue to invest or decide for yourself is being a competitive player or having a competitive mindset for me, something I'm interested in. Um, so some advice on that. Uh, we'll talk about um, behaviors of players, um, in competitions, uh, both in War Machine and without, um, some comments on the community of competitive players and our experiences with them. Um, and that, you know, the great people that they are and, uh, some other things that you can go to like, uh, you know, additional resources you might want to check out if you're looking for, uh, looking to read more on on competitions in general. Um, I always like to start with a definition when I'm talking about things to make sure that everyone's on the same page. Um, what exactly is competition to me? Um, there's a couple like quotes that I like that get thrown around all the time. But the first one is that uh, adversity is the stone that sharpens the blade. Um, Marcy was talking earlier about how uh, she's always um, working on uh, bettering herself and seeing how far she can push and how much success she can attain. Uh, and I'm a lot, I'm very much the same way. I really want to push myself and just see if I'm going to get good at something, how good can I get? Um, what do you guys think? Like, yeah. So I think it's very interesting because I think like competitive play, um, like it's kind of like the eye of a beholder kind of situation where like everyone mm -hmm. can kind of give it its own definition and it's kind of just like what you're wanting out of like these events like are you like oh I want to like show up to steamrollers and like I don't know like maybe win a few some here and there or like it could just be very much of like oh I want to just better like just very basics of like not caring about any results and just being like oh I want to see myself improve from X point to Y point and like improve my list building capabilities and figure out like the more nuances of both play and like list building and like just the design of the game and figuring out like things that could be easily overlooked if you're kind of just like building a list that's more like uh, like flop oriented or just kind of like models you want to put on the board where you can kind of just focus competitive play of like oh i want to see myself like have measurable improvements kind of situation like it doesn't always have to be like tournament centric which i think is like something very important to like put out there is like you don't always have to like look at it through a lens of going to conventions and qualifiers or yeah. even steamrollers and like it can just be like oh i play this game 
and I improve on these factors, and that's the competitive part I want to focus on. Which, and it, like, I was going to say, it's a, like not even like an, an issue. Sorry, you, you can go ahead. You finish it. No, you're good. Yeah. No, I was going to say, it's just like even with the competitive play, because you know, we wrote down here like casual or narrative. I, I think that there's almost a different expectation, a, a different expectation of holding yourself accountable on what the end goal is of competitive play, that you're going to have the discipline of trying to do those self-improvements of being the better player or what have you. But I, right. I think at this point, like I look at it like, well, it, with like Mark four and, and family stuff, like I, I, I have a bit of a less focus on competitive play and I'm looking at more like casual or that narrative approach to it where I, you know, I'm, I'm throwing 3d Hills on the table. I don't care if it's like going to mess with me like competitively and, you know, make me, you know, lose millimeters of inches against my, my, my measurements. But to me, I'm like, Christ, this is going to be like a, a prettier looking table. And hell, that, that sounds like a good time to me. And I, I think you have to also be okay with trying to figure out what you want to get out of the game. For me, uh, competition is the drive to succeed and to try and uh, measure yourself against uh, an opponent, you know, like on the field of battle, so to speak. Um, and, and really just try to improve upon what you can, uh, what you can get out of your hobby. Um, I set it aside from, you know, casual play or narrative play, uh, just for the purpose of this, you know, discussion when we're, we're in here, you can still have a competitive mindset if you were playing the game casually. Um, you don't have to be chasing a win perhaps, but, uh, maybe you're just trying to improve your measurement skills or improve your um, the way you move miniatures around the board. If you're looking to improve yourself, you can measure that as a certain amount of uh, competitive drive. Yeah, I agree. I like when I think casual play, I think very much like a like we meet up, we roll dice, we have a good time, we have a few beers, we like don't think about any of the like nuances of things that could like be approved upon. And it's kind of just like moving models without like consideration of like, oh, like how could I have done this better? Or yeah. like how is this improving me? You're just showing up and rolling bones and everything's fine. Yeah, which, um, is, which is great. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I absolutely endorse having that much fun with your game. I endorse um, having drinks when you're playing that way too. <laughs> that's right. <beer> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so hopefully if uh, you make it through the rest of the podcast we can uh, give you some you know tips and tricks uh if you want to be more competitive or or you know improve yourself and the way you play the game in whatever aspect that may be um i always like to start with the mental game um marcy do you have any tips for us on things you can do to like uh, prepare or debrief yourself um when you're playing you talked about um improving in different aspects but what are some things you can do to try and like measure things so that way you know how to improve or what improvement even looks like? Or even like tools that you could use as well, because I know, Dan, you have the Iron Grudge app and Marcy, I don't know if you use it as well, but even something like that, that just keeps a track of the list that you played against what specific faction and just using that, like, well, yeah, what kind of things have you used in order to make these improvements? Yeah, so like, I'll just talk about things that like I've noticed uh myself to improve like everyone has different tools and needs uh but i'll just talk about like uh kind of what i did this year and like year, years uh building up to this year um to kind of like allow myself to track data and just kind of like self-evaluate a bit more 
Um, so I'm a filthy Apple user, so I don't have access to Iron Garage, sadly. I wish I did. Uh, so what I do is I kind of just set up a Google Spreadsheets that I can access on my phone or my computer and kind of just lay it out. Um, probably should have pulled this up while you guys were talking, but like it basically um, kind of covers... Uh, here it is. Uh, like I just keep track of dates so I can have like it in an organized organized manner, like who I played, uh, what caster I was playing and what theme force. Uh, what I played into, uh, what caster, what theme for us, uh, the scenarios. Uh, I track the results just to like uh, less so about like being like, oh, this is my run rate, and just more to understand like how the game closed out. Uh, I write down the condition of like how the game closed, maybe scenario, attrition, or assassination. Um, if it was clock or if it was just bottom of seven. Um, and then I put the game length. Uh, maybe top or bottom of whatever turn. Uh, I did game type just so I was able to kind of organize my data a bit better. Uh, between like practice, I used uh, Crumb, which was kind of like a like weekly online uh, kind of like tournament thing. Uh, Steamrollers, and then I wrote down qualifiers as well. Um, and then I also kept a a uh, pretty wide note section where I kind of would talk about like uh, key things I noticed about in the matchup, uh, issues to like further approach uh, or further evaluate, and like kind of like things that like caught my eye during the game. Um, like, uh, hey Marcy, can, can I actually ask you something? Because because you say with all these different notes, and 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 I don't, I didn't mean to interrupt, but no. there's so much stuff in War Machine. At least back in Mark Three, there's definitely less in the Prime Arena for four. But in, in Mark Three, there's just so much, and it's like you can play against something. Like I think about uh, Baron von Licky Snick or whatever his name is, the the Grimkin Frog thing. And you know, it, it like I played him once, and I realized he had consumed. He ate my hermit. Like, ha! Can't ever you know forget about that. And then fool me once, shame on you. Well, fool I me mean, twice, if it's like me. two years or a year later, or whatever it is, I'm like, oh, that's right, he has that ability. I guess how it, do you just go through this note section, or is there like a part in your brain that you just remember all these little nuanced rules, or or like how do you remember or how did you remember all these little tiny interactions so that way you didn't get fooled again? Um, so there's definitely like some things I wrote down in the notes. Like uh, like one I wrote down was uh, it was against Dreamer. Uh, and I wrote, watch for Arcane Vortex when you cast Sprint Udingus. Um <laughs> Which was to remind me that like if I'm going to sprint that turn, I need to do it before I commit in near a cage razor. Or if they have uh, Ruin still live that like i need to like be aware of that when i'm committing uh models with sprint animus uh and that kind of like is a nice reminder like I, when i look over games i'll like scan over that and see and be like all right uh i'm also kind of just like a gremlin when it comes to like rule consumption uh like if i have downtime like may i be on public transportation or kind of just like i don't know like in the bathroom have like 10 minutes to kill or like whatever i'll like pull up war room and just kind of like look through things uh, like back when I lived in North Carolina, like when I played 40k, like anytime people had like a rules book, rules question for like A, their faction or B, just the general rules, like they always would call on me. And I've kind of just always, I, I always tell myself and others that I wish I had the brain I have for consumption of like rules and abilities for like different games uh, <laughs> and was able to apply it to like my school. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Uh, so like, I, I kind of have like that 
uh, benefit where like I just kind of naturally take in the information fairly well. But also it's just like uh, it comes from just playing a lot. Like I play a lot of games, so I'm it. Once you play in like enough games enough times, like it, the things kind of just stick. I'm sorry, I have to go ahead and start because I remember when you and I played against in the team event in Nova, and I think you said like, "Oh yeah, I would do like seven to ten games a week," and and I'm like, "Man, I'm lucky if I get like one game like every two weeks." <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm a, I'm a bit of a gremlin when I commit my thing myself to things. Uh, but like, I I kept this note section to like remind myself of like flaws I was running into uh like, when I was like practicing outliers in a game, game right uh not just outliers because I felt uh like I, I definitely make notes of outliers and I'd go back and test them through to see if the outliers pop up more if or again it was like if the outlier was more of a consistency or if it was what it was and was an outlier because mm-hmm. like sometimes you get diced and you just can't control that right. uh but, like sometimes you just have to go back and see like oh was this a dice or was this something like I could avoid um and it allowed me to like kind of evaluate like during the early half of the year i kept making notes that like oh my first three turns with my list were very slow uh in terms of my wormwood list um and i uh going into like like around may or june uh i realized i need to kind of get my clock in check uh because i kept going back into my notes and seeing like oh, like, these turns are slow, like, your turns are taking long, mm-hmm. you're ending the game with, like, not that much time left. Okay. And I just Sorry. committed myself to seven-minute turns. Yeah. I have to ask that, because I remember I made that comment when you played where you had the the things, and, like, this is where Wormwood's going to go be, and just, I, I remember just making the comment, like, it was just so clean, everything was going to where it's going to go and be, and before I realized that Marcy passes the clock to me and everything was in its place, is that like you do drills for that, or, or is it just from playing all the different games? Uh, it kind of just comes from playing games and kind of breaking down games. Um, and, like, we can kind of talk about that later, because I think that's one of the points. Um, but, like, focusing mostly on, like, research, um, and, like, development, uh, it, it, the muscle memory stuff doesn't ever really come from that. So, like, there's definitely a double aspect to, like, wanting to approach, uh, bettering yourself as, like, a competitive player, uh, which is, like, the mental and the physical. Uh, and I think, like, the mental is kind of just, like, it's a lot of just, like, becoming aware of the game may it be like taking notes if that's something that helps you just talking to people about the game like i have many many different discords and facebook messenger groups and just like individual chats with people like immersion. Um, yeah and like involved. yeah like the, just the more you talk about the game the more like it kind of just sticks in passing like if someone's like oh this list is really cool you'll have to like oh i don't know what that model does you pull it up and suddenly you're like oh like i didn't know this model had like consume that's good to know, like, for the future. So, like, just talking more kind of, like, lets you run into these things. So, like, it's not just, like, a self-isolated prep thing. Like, it's definitely, uh, like, the more you involve yourself, the easier it kind of comes, uh, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, I, I do have a couple quick questions about yeah. uh, your, like, mental approach to the game, too. Um, would you say that uh, War Machine has, like, psychological warfare to it? Like, can you psych your opponent out? Um, and, and like, how do you deal with that both in a game and outside of a game? Because I know I personally feel a lot of pressure, like self-imposed pressure. I put it on myself, uh, to say like, I really want to win my next game. I'm really stressed about, uh, you know, my Tuesday night game 
Like, how do you deal with that stuff when you're not even at the table? I mean, we already mentioned that earlier that Kruger 2 was the psychological warfare caster, so... That's right. Dodge! Um, yeah, so, like, I think I think a lot of the psychological effects that come from playing War Machine are very self-imposed. Uh, like, a lot of the ones, especially, like, from people I know, is, like, kind of self-induced things. Like, getting in your own head from, like, stress of performance... Or just knowing that, like, you have clock issues, so either playing your turns fast and making mistakes because you don't want to clock, or overanalyzing and end up falling into your trap of, like, stressing yourself out about the clock. Um, I don't think there's a lot of, like, there's definitely, like, some aspects where, like, you can kind of go into a game and know that, like, this is a bad matchup, so you can kind of play, like, the, like, oh, I'm just going to play a very passive game because you know that you don't have to worry about being the uh, aggressor and kind of just get to control the flow of the game. Uh, and I think that's the closest I ever like delve into like psychological warfare is like if I know it's a matchup that's good for me just from like practice, like I can kind of just like I never have to do anything. Like I'm putting all the pressure on my opponent uh, to like do things. Um, so so no smack talk coming from you then, huh? <laughs> I mean, I'll definitely like smack talk like friends and like people I know. Uh, but that's more of like a friendly thing. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think like getting in your opponent's head is like I, th- there's some aspects to it. Like there's definitely it's been talked about on like other podcasts before by like other players, and it's definitely like the name player effect is like once you kind of like start getting known in the community and start like doing well at events and like your name starts popping up more, people like you can like kind of like see it when you play some people is like they'll like show up to the table and be like, oh great, I have like. I have JVM or I have like Brandon Owens or like so-and-so and and just kind of like self-defeat themselves uh, just based off of that because they kind of put these players on like a pedestal of like, uh, they kind of like remove the humanness out of them Hmm. um, and kind of self-defeat themselves in that way when we're all, we're all humans, we all make mistakes. So like if you remove that aspect, then you're just playing a game of War Machine and uh, trying to do the best you can. Yeah, I I don't think I've ever heard any banter between two players that wasn't in good faith in War Machine. I think our community is very good in that respect. Um, but I definitely acknowledge that uh, I've walked up to a table against you a couple of times and I'm like, ah, right, here we go. How bad is this going to get? I mean, it but, was like that. And I mean, you mentioned JVM. And I remember for the Boca Brawl. I'm like, up. Oh, all right, there yep. he is. <laughs> yep. But but you but, play those games anyway, and you try to do better the next time, and try to do better the time after that, and that's the important thing, right? Well, it's and that, but it's also like you can go play against those named players, and you know you might not walk away with a win, but you walk away like with an idea or an understanding of like I did better than I expected, and I mean that's yep. even something to show for as well. What's what's one thing I learned from this game? What one thing can I write down? Even if it's not just win, loss, whatever. Um, what's my one lesson that I can learn today? Well, let's talk about some lessons learned. Marcy, do you do clock drills? Hundred um, percent. What what is that for? So it, it depends on like uh, what you're trying to practice. A lot of people uh, run into clock issues in late games uh, situations. Uh, so you can kind of do like a few different things. Uh, I, myself, and Justin too, another local, and was on uh, WTC Apollo as well, um, uh, practiced this year with seven-minute time turns. And we kind of just measure uh, like how much we go over or under and try to stick to the seven minutes and kind of like track 
at least I know I did for myself, uh, I'd write down each of my turns. Uh, so I'd like go like, okay, my deployment was a minute. Uh, my turn one was three minutes. So that saves me four minutes of my uh, seven minutes. And then like my turn two is five minutes. So that saves me another two minutes. So I'm already like at a positive six. And basically kind of like force myself to play a seven turn game uh, with only, uh, hold on, numbers are hard, uh, 49, 49 minutes. Um, and that allows me to have like 11 minutes of flex to either like have a longer turn or just like close out late games. Like it lets me understand like what's important and what isn't important. Um, and then there's another aspect of like clock drills is like setting up uh, game states either from pictures or from past games uh, of like turn five onwards and setting a low clock and figuring out like what is not only the correct method of closing out the game, but the method of uh, most clock efficient. Um, it reminds me I, a lot of uh, like famous uh, articles and explanations about chess games. Like they're trying to set up for an end game position. You know, that's it's, sort of it's very much similar to like a lot of chess, uh, such, like drills is like you set up something that you know will likely happen. Like if you play a matchup enough times, you know, kind of like the ebb and flow. So you can kind of like, boil it down to like okay this is the pieces we should have left or we played this like five times and this is typically the pieces we have left let's play the game from here because i need to practice like maybe my late game is like very messy because like i try and rush through so i don't clock or like maybe it's messy because like i just don't know how to close out uh so it can be a lot of like things like that uh or like how i talked about before is like i noticed my clock was very slow in the early turns so I figured out like ways of speeding that up and also figuring out how to play under the pressure of seven minutes. So that way, if I did need uh, to have very short late game turns, I was very practiced with that already. Um, and like it definitely showed in the games I've played. Like I uh, played Tim Bosset uh, from the Belgian teams round six of WTC. And like, I think at one point I gave him like a 15 minute clock advantage just due to like fatigue and just like, I don't know what I was doing. I think at one point I just stared at the board for like two minutes. <laughs> I've done um, that. <laughs> I've been there. And I think I needed to play the last three turns of the game with like 12 minutes or something like that. Or no, it, maybe it was the last four turns of the game with like 15. Like it was something like stupid that I shouldn't have been in the first place. But like without those drills, I definitely wouldn't have been able to execute it the way I was. I definitely had some like uh, situations of dice that definitely helped me figure out the uh, game end state when I played him. Uh, but like the practice definitely showed when I uh, played like three turns with eight minutes and ended my turn seven with still two minutes to spare. Like it, it, it's definitely something that like I noticed improved me the more and more I did it. Can, so can, there's definitely benefits to it. Can I ask though for the clock drills, do you, do you do that with a friend or do you do it by yourself? I guess you can probably do it with both. Am I right? Yeah. So I do it with both. Uh, most of the time when we're playing practice games at the game store, uh, like we have a, our local store is very like uh, supportive of like what we like, we're trying to do this year and we were trying to like grind for WTC. Uh, so they were willing to kind of just like, I think the last like two or three months before WTC, they'd kind of show up and just be like, what do you want us to play? Um, so like they were willing to do whatever. We never really held them to clock. So we always either uh, like either may it be when I, cause uh, even before 
uh, doing seven minute turns, I would do 50 minute clocks. And like, if they wanted to play on clock, I just set them to an hour and myself to 50 minutes. Or I just have a like egg timer or set a timer on my phone and just set it to seven minutes. And basically, as I start every turn, I just start the timer. And then they kind of just play the game however. Uh, and we kind of just like talk through the game and make sure like the plays we were making were kind of like the most optimal. If we realize we miss position, we just like reverse the positioning. We do a lot of dice fixing. So like if uh, we're trying to like figure out like the end state of a game or like just figure out like how commitments go and they like commit a heavy into my heavy and roll like five back to back like threes and fours on two dice we just say like okay let's pretend like three three of the four of these were seven mm -hmm. like you're bound to have like a bad dice roll across a string but like if you just have constant di bad dice rolls like it doesn't help uh figure out like the uh natural progression of yeah. like the game the expected output of the game yeah, it only teaches you what happens at the very far end of that bell curve, like one in a million games. Kind of unique to use as that data it, point. It's like not it's applicable to the vast majority of games that you'll be playing in the future. Yeah, so like we would do things where like typically if uh, like me and Justin would do it a lot, like uh, when playing into other people's, like if we had a string of like really good dice, we'd just be like, okay, let's pretend these were like average dice. But like if we had a string of bad dice on our end, we'd just be like, we're gonna keep it and see how we can play out of it. Because like bad dice yep. do happen, so it's very important to like understand that like either if you made a mistake and you're already on the back foot, like how to get out of that, or well, like I committed a heavy and I rolled nothing but threes. It happens sometimes, how do I fix this? It's really interesting mm -hmm. that you mentioned that because I don't think I've ever like Dan, have you ever heard of that before? Like I I've never heard of this. Um so it's uh something that I have heard about um when I talk about War Machine and when I talk about other game systems to other people. Um it's about kind of uh assuming the input um like your dice rolls or uh the the positioning of your opponent. Uh the thing that is playing into you or working against you uh can be assumed to be average or achieve average results like sevens on dice most of the time. And that advantages your output of your test um, because it will be more applicable to more situations because you're going to see that average more often than you'll see either a string of very low dice or a string of very high dice. No, Is that about right? Yeah, that's, Marston, just, that's interesting. Yeah, basically you're looking to create the most consistent board state on the opponent's end uh, and kind of on your end. Uh, but like still keeping uh enough spikes to be uh like if we roll like a string of like five dice and there's like two ones and then we get like a box stars we're like okay that's about average we don't need to fix that mm -hmm. um and then also just like being like okay it's fine for me to play from the back foot because this is more important but like if i just spike your heavy off the board with like two attacks that doesn't do anything for our testing like we know how a game plays out if i just get good dice and i'm already playing like an even matchup and not making the mistakes that lose me that matchup so like right. let's play a game where like we have even two below average dice rolls and figure out from there um and it's a lot of like it's like uh, uh, kind of like tilting a pinball machine you go you want to nudge your your game ever so slightly in the correct direction so that way you can get better results out of it. Yeah, and we also do a lot of things where we like, uh, like we'll be like, we'll we'll just play games and like obviously like we'll just go through turns and then just be like, why is that model there? Or like <laughs> me and Justin will do it a lot to each other. We'll be like, does does Harvey or does Aurora need to actually stand there? We'll be like, oh no, we're just like punting the game for no reason. Or <laughs> or we'll be a lot. A thing I like to do when I play new casters for the first few times is I'll just be like, okay, I'm just gonna put my caster here. But like, are they dead? Yeah. Oh boy, I, I love standing in the charge range of heavies. 
Mm. If I back up two inches, do I still get to do everything and am I still dead? And just kind of like through that process. Like I think the first like 10, 15 games I play with every new caster, it's just a constant like, oh, I probably die here. What, okay, what, I died. What about like the time commitment for those games? Because you're like saying like you and Justin will be like, okay, why is this guy here? Like, do you have to dedicate a night for that? Do you dedicate a game for that? Like, what does that time commitment look like? So yeah, so we, our game nights are Wednesdays. We typically are able to fit in like two, three games, depending on like what work and school and et cetera looks like for everyone. And just like, what show uh, what showing is like uh for the night um and we typically fit like two to three in there and then we do that like some more tabling and like we basically kind of just have some sort of variance of this kind of practice always going um maybe like depending on like how hard we're testing a matchup or like how much we need the data from that is like kind of like how much effort we put into like the dice fixing and the like evaluating of like correct model positioning and just like constant questioning uh but like we typically are able to still fit it like a game in within like a two hour span to maybe two and a half hour uh just between like us already like knowing what our models do and just like going through the process and there's a lot of points of like a game where you can kind of just like stop it and be like okay i've gathered enough information from this um and kind of like move on to something else um so you can assume the outcome after like turn five basically yeah or like might help you cut the end of the game short if you think you already know what's going to happen so you can squeeze another game in yeah or like it'll get to turn three and be like this seems super advantaged or disadvantaged let's re-rack and figure out if it was a mistake and kind of just like stop the game for that point because it's like if i'm up like 4-0 on scenario and like there's no way of me like clawing back in or like it's not a tournament game like there's definitely reasons to have those like figure out like how to claw back in uh practices but like if we're just like trying to figure out how a matchup's played and it's like oh this is like unplayable at this point there's no point at playing anymore so we just like re-rack or we like switch things up we figure out like is this just a bad matchup and we kind of just like, stop the there yeah and then the focus of your next practice can be preventing that game state that you think is unwinnable 100 percent. um and then like so we typically do two or three on a game night we fit in more table games uh we like to do weekend games or just like entire practice weekends depending on like what our weeks look like like i know in august me and justin had a weekend where like uh saturday we played like five games uh and then we went out and like watched the movie and like uh my wife joined us and then, uh, like, just had a good time. And then, like, the next day, I showed back up and we played, like, another, like, six to eight games. Uh, I think we played, like, 13. So I think it was five and eight was the layout. Um, it just kind of just went through the process. And, like, it's it's a matter of, like, understanding not only your limitations, but everyone else's. Like, mm. if you make a thing out of it, it's a lot more enjoyable than if you were just, like, slamming your head against the table consistently like we had a practice night uh or practice day hosted at someone else's house uh that like they ordered bagels they cooked dinner like we kind of just like made it like a gathering as well as like a game day yeah and, you know light some candles set the mood make it <laughs> yeah, exactly. whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. <laughs> um, but like we we had like like movies going or like music playing like it's 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 not as like nitty gritty as like people like to like make it out to seem is like 
the importance is like this is still a game so like you want to find enjoyment of it and like even if you're coming from it from a competitive point if you're not enjoying it then you're not gathering any uh, good enough information out of it i have to say that's like a completely different ecosystem of an idea of like of how to even like go forward and play the game like i i've never heard of this before it's great and i I do want to come back to enjoyment and what you can get out of that in a second um but i do also want to touch on some of the things i heard you say in that last uh conversation um we all i think anyone who's played a string of games in a row if you've ever been to a steamroller or just had time for a second game on game night um it, it can be easy to feel tired um, and to you know get out of whack after you've been playing the game for a while. Um, I want to ask you briefly if you have any comments on like how you can help yourself like physically stay in shape um, to be able to keep bending over the table and making measurements and uh, keeping th- yourself thinking straight after you've played a couple games that go to seven turns. Yeah, so I guess the first I'll just talk about like the game itself is like when you're doing these kind of like practice days, and you're playing like multiple games that itself is kind of already helping you test your endurance like if you're already getting used to playing like six games in a day or like even just like four games in a day because like most events are like three or four rounds like you'll have some qualifiers that are five uh like you're just kind of like already like oh like this is what it's like to play this many games like you're already like getting that kind of like mental endurance going but a lot of it is definitely like making sure you're taking care of yourself and it's very like ironic coming from me because i'm the kind of person to show up at a convention and be like oh it's 10 o'clock i should eat dinner my first meal of the day and i guess i should have some water which i've definitely gotten better about the water the eating though um but like uh like staying in shape is definitely like very important like it's something like we like it's important to both your life and also just like how you do uh like if you're just looking at from a pure like competitive gaming aspect like you'll look at like these uh, like esport teams that have like professional cooks, uh, like in their gaming houses. You'll like yes. there's definitely like a plethora of articles talking about like uh chess players and like how they take care of themselves uh, yes. in terms of their their diet and stuff. So it's definitely there's definitely a lot of like crossover in terms of that. Um, like something that Jake talks about, uh, JVM. Jake Van Meter, uh, he I've heard him mention it multiple times to different people, and it's talking about like, oh, like when I realized core strength helps me like not feel awful on my back, uh, for playing like five games, like, <laughs> like yep. f- physical, physical endurance and physical like self care is definitely like something that like carries over into like tournaments. Like if you're in, if you're not in a good uh space mentally or physically then like you'll have a hard time like fully committing yourself to these games uh so like i know myself i used it as like motivation to like eat better and like stay in shape like work out more uh which like was already a goal i was wanting but like having a nice like extra motivator of being like oh like if like if i do this i'll, I'll be able like endure through war machine more <laughs> That's right. I mean, I 100% agree. Um, I hate working out myself. I hate running. I hate doing all that stuff. But, you know, uh, sometimes you just need to bite the bullet uh, in order to help yourself achieve that other goal that you're trying to get to. I mean, you Um, also have to go say that there's more to life than just War Machine. I mean, but 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 seriously, I've seen this as like having good physical health, you're going to get more enjoyment out of your life overall yes in your games yeah, and like as, as you pointed out like there's more to it than more machine if you're 
Like, as much as we're focusing on the competitive aspect, you definitely don't want to put anything in your life to the side. And, like, your health is definitely, like, the number one importance. So definitely make sure you're taking those steps. Yeah. Uh, it helps you in many ways. And 100%. Living's one of those. So, so oh, go ahead, Dan. How, um, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with all of that. Um, so let's go back to, uh, Paul, do you have a comment on this section or should I go to the next one? Uh, about the physical we already talked about it. you know no i was go work uh, out everybody it's do a sit-up it'll be it's good for you it'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. make you happy not not in the moment but afterwards drill sergeant paul telling him what to what to do here um so uh so in in light of that in there are other things out there in the world how does a player uh help themselves make the decision is trying to be more competitive or pursuing competitive uh, mindset uh something i'm interested in what can i stay invested in this uh or or should i put this to the side and pursue something else can, it, can i actually like say something to begin with because this all right i'm gonna go all right so i think i mentioned it was like with poker brawl like the first one was like i want to go experience this game at a high competitive event before my baby was born and you know i put forth the time in the steamrollers and everything and i had the time for it but to keep myself at that same expectation it's unreasonable i mean doing the podcast and help out with the local community like doing all these things it's it's unreasonable to hold myself at that standard or that expectation compared to like these other players and yeah marcy like you're 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 in college right and like younger like you, you can't compare yourself to all these other players that are going off to all these different events and i just like that at least prefaces with that yeah 100 percent. like i definitely am like a good scenario where like uh i have a lot of free time i don't have kids i don't have like i'm able to like work and go to school and still be able to balance this but like definitely like so sometimes you just have to like be like okay i can't do it like this year or next year because of x y or z reason but like this is something i want to do so like just like just like make sure life comes first uh as paul was saying like definitely yeah. don't hold yourself to everyone else everyone has their own different standards and like requirements of life that come first um so like just it's definitely like an evaluation in that aspect it's just um, it's just managing your expectations or, or having realistic expectations yes. yeah 100 percent. expectations like, is a great word there yeah yeah um but as you were asking dan it yeah it definitely is like a like the first question is is like is this something i enjoy doing if you're like doing whatever methods to like become competitive and you're like i don't enjoy doing this then don't there's there's the easy first step like the first step is do i have fun doing this we 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 all do this to have fun it's not like a job we're not making a living out of it this is a hobby like a, a wise man once told me if you're not having fun doing your hobby you might be doing your hobby wrong exactly so like <laughs> If the answer is no, then, like, you have found your answer of, like, do I want to continue with competitive play? Now, if you're just, like, now if your answer is, like, yes, or, like, I am at least want to give it a try, then, like, there's more to it where, like, you have to, like, uh, take take in, like, the mental load that's going to come from it. It's, like, yes. What? where are my expectations and are these reasonable expectations? If you're just getting into competitive war machine and you're, like, oh, 
my expectation is like I'm gonna win a Masters in like six months. I like, I'm not saying it's not possible, but like maybe like you might be shooting for the stars off the bat. Uh, and like that's never a bad thing. Like if that's what helps you drive, like but like having having reasonable expectations, just as Paul said about like life and balancing War Machine, it also comes towards like uh evaluating competitive goals. Like mm-hmm. uh like that was the mistake I was falling into in 2018 and 2019 is like i kept pushing myself to be like oh i want to win a masters this year but i need to just be like oh this is like my first few years of actually like traveling and being competitive let's just learn from this uh and that's where i was getting a lot of my frustrations and then once i took the took the step back i was like oh this is how you have be competitive and have like a good time I mean, you're right about that. Well, I mean, like, because you're saying about, like, trying to win a Masters, and I think about this, the people who win those Masters, they're going to all those events. They're going to the LVOs. They're going to the Captain Cons, Adepticons, and and all those things. So, like, right, like, try try a local steamroller. Okay, you're good. Go to another steamroller. Go go to a place where there's players that you haven't played against before and see what they're bringing to the table. And then that way, you know, I think we're like talking about like that data collection and being able to get better and better. Like it, it just starts small and like work our way up to it. 100% agree. Um, experience and failure are going to be your best teachers here. Personally speaking, I can tell you, I learn a lot from the games that I lose. And you can even do this kind of analysis, not only saying, I want to project, uh, here are my expectations over six months or a year, like uh, my goal is winning a master's, as you said, uh, but also you can analyze it down to the game. I just lost a game. How does that make me feel? How should I be expecting to respond to this? I just won a game. How does that make me feel? How can I expect to respond to that? Um, or can I like do the that other again? swing of like, I've lost five games in a row. What am I doing with myself? That's right. I'm in a rut. Or I'm on a hot streak. How do you take that? How does it inform your gameplay and your approach both at the table and away from the table to the rest of your games? Yeah, so yeah, definitely. Like my my favorite games are the ones I lose because let, let me rephrase it. My favorite games are the ones I lose not based off of a super dumb mistake. Because it allows me to really like sit back and evaluate and figure out like where I can learn, where I can better myself, and where my opponent just like outplayed me. And like that allows me to grow so much more than if I just like, oh cool, bottom of two I five oh scenario win. Because like typically that's not like like you have to do the thing the right things to score out five oh, but like typically it's just like, oh my opponent messed up. So like yeah, you got the win. But like, there's not as much data take to take away from that. Um, so like, buckling yourself in and be like, I'm going to go through this journey. I'm going to win games. I'm going to lose games. I'm going to have hard games. And just like having that expectation of like, I'm not going to win everything. I might not even win most things. But I'm going to use all of these as an experience and as a learning lesson to further better myself um is very important uh like i definitely had this kind of like self-evaluation at at lbo like i went i think i was like three and six or something and this was like uh after this was this year so like last year i made it to the finals of warfare weekend in the invitational i uh like had decent showings at like some events and I was like, okay, like, what happened here? Why did I go from this to this? Like, did I just have a bad weekend? Uh, was it, like, jet lag? Did I play bad? Like, what was it? Um, I was able to, like, kind of grow from things. I, like, t- got to, like, sit back and be like, okay, like, where is the issue with my list, Brad? Or, like, other pers- people I was talking to? 
and I was able to make changes to my Kruger list uh, before Captain Con. Uh, I was able to kind of like evaluate like mispredictions about the meta. Um, like what mistakes was I making? Was I making like was this list errors? Was I testing something uh, and I was just completely off on my evaluation or was this my play? Uh, and I was able to like withdraw a lot of like, okay, I, I mispredicted the meta. Uh, this was like still like pretty early on after the like super mega update for Mark III. Uh, where like everything changed, all the point costs are different. Like we we didn't have a, a ton of time, so I was like testing a lot of like new things. Like LVO, I played uh, Morvana one, like Wild Hunt and Kruger two with like a Fulcrum, and I was just like, this isn't it. Uh, this was like the wrong call. Uh, and like, what are we to expect more of? Like, not to say like I played all my games perfect, because I definitely made mistakes, but it allowed me to like. Be like, okay, like this is where I messed up. Where like if this was like 2018, 2019 me, I probably would just beat myself up over the entire weekend <laughs> and not like taking the steps to like evaluate like where did these failure points come from? Right, right. Um... And, and focus more on like, oh, I'm uh, I'm a bad player, and like not to say I I, I still had that. Like it, I'm sure you can dig it up in one of my chats. I like message like Brad and be like, why am I going to WTC? Because I like. <laughs> I gave up a heavy on like top of two because of a dumb like fatigue error. Um, oh my so, god, like, that is just perfectly normal anxiety. Everybody gets that. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it, it's it, it. I'm not saying like beating yourself up is never the right call because like I definitely still do it. Like yeah. I I definitely like do things. Be like, why am I here? Why do people think I'm good? Why did my Why did I leave my caster within charge range of your heavy? Why did I do that? Yeah. Um, um this is very like, scientific method stuff. Like you're setting a hypothesis, which is like your meta prediction. You're testing that hypothesis, which is you going to that event, and then you're analyzing the results and you're saying, This is what I experienced at the, that event. How can I use this in my next experiment? Hundred percent. It's a lot 100%. of like just kind of like just evaluating data points and kind of like making it a bit nitty gritty. Yeah. Which like evaluating your observations. Yeah. Um, and and if you are a person that finds those observations are, uh, you know, overly negative or, you know, primarily detracting from your experience, um, if you can get repeated results that show I am not enjoying this, then please do yourself a favor and uh, try to take a step back and see if you need to uh, pay more attention to um, your approach to the game. Because no one wants to be stuck in that rut. And sometimes it's difficult to see the forest for the trees. When you don't know these things are happening to you, to your mental state, it can be difficult for you to pull yourself back a bit. But try to take a moment every once in a while and just think about how your experience has been and, and you know how you want to uh, keep playing the game. Yeah, um, I myself and definitely like talking with other players, like, the times where we like enjoy the game most is after we have taken a step back. Maybe like we've gotten too busy with life and it started bleeding over into like just more stressors into the game, or we were just like being overly harshly critical of ourselves for whatever reasons and just like making the experience not fun. The most fun we've had is when we've taken that step back, taken like a week off, two weeks off, a month, however long you need, and being like what do I want out of this game? And coming back to it with that new fresh mindset of like, this is what I want. May it be like, okay, like this is my new competitive outlook. Or may it just be like, okay, competitive is not for me. Or like this line of competitive is not for me. Let's change it up and see if that's what I'm going to enjoy. And that's where I found most people are like 
come back to the game and are like, oh, yes, I love this game. So you can also say, like, I'm more than happy to try and compete and try to beat, like, my friends at a game on my kitchen table. But the level of competition that I enjoy does not equate to going to Steamrollers, does not equate to going to Masters. That's not what competition means to me. Um, and it's important to be able to identify that and and look look at yourself and and your experiences and try to you know understand how how they shape how you want to you know be able to play war machine or anything else um you know and marcy's a a great example of this um i think over the past couple of years with the successes that you've achieved um you show uh very well what um paying that level of attention can do to help you um so that next topic I want to cover is like the behaviors of a player uh, when they're trying to be competitive. Um, you know how they uh, how they uh, approach these things. It's it's really a lot ha has to do with you know mindfulness um, and uh, and we've you know addressed this a million times that managing your expectations. So um, you know what do you uh, what do you think you can offer our listeners as a like a tip to help you stay grounded? So yeah. talk to or something you do a ritual that you have um i kind of just part of it's like surrounding myself with people that i can trust and talk with so like may it be like dealing with life stuff or just dealing with like war machine stress i know that i can like message them and like talk to them and like it helps me like kind of just like step back and be like okay like i'm good to go um part of it's just like don't let the like don't let the ego get to you like people all the time will talk and be like oh this is like the one of the best circle players and like usually my response is like no i just play a lot of games and sometimes i get lucky when i need to like i like part of it's deflecting yes part but the other part is like making sure you're not just like sitting there and like blowing smoke into your head and just being like oh i'm the greatest i'm hot shit. like i am here to like i am the best of the best because like that a that won't make you friends and b like you'll just disappoint yourself when you don't hit those marks um my dad always used to tell me there's always somebody better. Yeah, there's always there's always a bigger shark. <laughs> That's right. There's always bigger fish. Like and I think like those two steps of like just being like finding a group that you can trust and talk with and just like relax with is very nice and important. And also just like realizing like we're all just playing a game. This is plastic and metal and resin models that we What do you call this? War dollies? Yeah, it's it's just war dolls. We're 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 rolling dice with our war, war dolls, having a good time and hanging out with people. Like this isn't brain surgery, this isn't rocket science, this isn't the cure to world hunger. Like this, as as important as we make a lot of us make this hobby, it's in the end just a game. We're all having a good time. We're all playing a game. We're all looking for fun, and we all should be looking for opponents to also have fun. And if we're constantly like in this like stress or like ego filled state then we're running into the issue of like then what's fun is if one-sided at best sometimes not even one-sided if you're stressing yourself out and like fueling your ego and making the game not fun for yourself it's very likely the game's not fun for your opponent either and then at that point it's like why are why are either of us doing this so we're talking, about, so we're talking about the different opponents and you talked about your local group that you have your practice nights and everyone's really super cool about it. And I guess with like War Table, the greater online community, you're talking about playing some of these players that you played in WTC or at least being them in WTC. I guess how how does the competitive community change at a local level to 
a regional or national to like a global level yeah so i think like most of the people have a very similar or adjacent mindset uh to like how they would approach the game just in varying different aspects so like most of the people if you run into someone who is like local or semi-local and they travel a lot and you're like man this person's really cool and like chill and like even though they take the game super seriously like i enjoyed all my games and hanging out with them then that's likely going to carry over to like 90 95 percent if not like 99% of like most of the other people also traveling, having a good time and like playing and taking the game to the level they are as well. Um, So like there is that like great aspect. And like the other thing is like, you need to like evaluate that like your local meta likely won't be fully representative of the global meta. Uh, Even when you have a local meta of like, even if it's just like, your local meta's two WTC teams, that's still not representative of the global meta. It's very easy like, get in your own heads and be like, this is the best list. Uh, and then you end up playing it into like the global stuff and you're like, oh, I got stomped by stuff that I didn't think was good. I lost this matchup and I thought this faction was bad. But like being, putting yourself out there and being aware of like what everyone else is playing and uh, like being aware of like uh, what different lists are showing up in different places, staying up to date on like discount games, etc. is like a very important thing to do. Because uh, like your local meta might be like, oh, we have like eight rep players. Because I know that was the longest time for like the Philly region. It was like everyone and their mother played rat oh tell me about it i have nightmares of the war or uh, flashbacks of the war playing against retribution because they've always been such a boogeyman to kator you um, to an event and you're like oh there's like a rep player of like the 32 players yeah Here. and it has it occasionally ends up really warping my perception of uh you know what it looks like to go to events because you know i'd always show up to the store on tuesday night and kept getting stomped by the local you know, Rhett or Signar player, but, you know, then they wouldn't go to an event. And I'd be like, why can I beat all of the Signar players here? What's happening right now? You know, it it's definitely something to keep in mind and keep framed up in your, like, your lens when you're observing your games. Um, because But you can't draw every single conclusion from the experiences that you have, um, you know, in your backyard, basically. No, I think, like, War Table has definitely been one of the, like, biggest improvements to that is because not only is it allowing this new like online community of like talking about lists and sharing and a lot of like crossover of what's being played but it allows you to like play into people that you might never have played been able to play before or, like might be able to like play once a year if you're lucky and it allows you to see such a wide range of like varying lists and be like oh this list is very good into my list pair, and I've never seen it before. Like, is this popular? Is this just your list? Like, am I going to see more of this? Yeah, opposition research. Yeah, like, it, it's it's such a cool tool that for us to have uh, because it allows us to, like, data tests and, like, broaden our perspective of the game way more than it ever has been in the past years. Even when we had, like, like DGI constantly updated, like, post every, like, month about, like, the conventions and, like, what was being played. Because then you get to have these practice games and such and, like, steamroller-esque games consistently on your hands, but, like, with players from varying regions and, like, different metas and game takes and evaluation. Yeah, Wartable is an excellent tool. And for the listeners that may or may not know, 
um, when we're talking about DGI or discount games, uh, there's a, uh, I'm not going to plug it, but there's an online store or an online retailer. They have a part of their website devoted to recording the events of major tournaments. And they'll even record, uh, you know, who won, what lists were they playing? What faction were they playing? Um, who took second place? What were they playing? So that's a way to look at some recorded results of successful players. It's a great resource if you want to go out and find that on your own. Um, and the other thing I wanted to talk about in this section was, um, you know, when you're interacting with people online and you're having those, uh, uh, you know, you're visiting a forum or you're typing into Discord or Facebook, uh, it can be very easy to get off track with uh, you know the research you're doing, or just trying to immerse yourself in in information about it and see what people are talking about, um, we I like to call that an echo chamber when like people are just talking about the same thing over and over again, or or doing those results repeatedly. They're recounting the same opinions endlessly, and then you go to any other community, and the reality is completely different. But it's hard to uh, separate those two things. Any tips for us um, on you know trying to avoid that uh, the false information overflow? I think uh, so. Like a very important thing is to like always keep in mind is like if someone's talking in. Uh... Like definitives, like this matchup, you never lose, or like only a Sith deals in absolutes. Yeah, like if, if there's a lot of absolutes, then maybe like you want to like kind of like refrain from like taking the opinion or data as like a hundred percent like truthful. And like I've definitely like stated sometimes and had to go back and correct myself where I'm like, oh, like you just can't lose this game, and then I go back and I'm like, okay, like that's not impactful, and then I like reword it and I'm like, oh, like if you do these steps. This matchup's very advantaged, and like you have to like do these things right, and then if you do, it's very hard for your opponent to come back. Like if it's all about how like the the data structured, because if it's structured in that manner, it's still saying a very similar phrase of like you'll basically never lose this, but in a way that's constructive and telling you how the matchups played, as opposed to like oh you just never lose this matchup. And pretty sure they call that the ten and zero. Yeah, like. There's definitely those matchups. Like sometimes you just had a matchup and you're like, oh, there's there's no way I can win this unless like my opponent's dice go bad. But like there's still things that need to be done right and that like you can kind kind of try to present your opponent with problems. But, like if you're noticing like individuals or groups consistently talk about how like, oh, this list just can never lose. There's no bad matchups, it's always advantaged. It just doesn't there's nothing you can do to stop it. Then like they true, may, true, they, the best caster ever oh you can't win it it's unwinnable against kruger too no maybe this person is just a cador player that has to play into it all the time and hates it yeah like there's there's opinions that may vary like maybe it's the best player in their area and like there's a skill differential that causes that to be the case like maybe they can just play with a wet paper towel and still like do well at their locals <laughs> um or like maybe they're right. This is a very strong list that wasn't too expected, and like you need to like write it down. But then you need to like do the testing yourself, and like that's kind of like what all the data collection from like these online groups boils down to. Is like yes, it's important to listen to other people because like a your opinion's not the end all be all. B many of these individuals are also putting in the game and effort to reach a certain point. Um, so like 
they are also striving to like get these data points so it's their data is also very important uh but also you just take that and apply it yourself like if everyone's like this list just can't be beat figure out why that's the case like sure like these groups might not be providing the best information, but you can still like gather tidbits of information that could be valuable. Uh, you still heard that concept and you can take that back home and talk to your locals and say, can we test this? Can we figure out why they're saying this online? Yeah. The, the one thing I will say is like avoid if there is groups that are just painfully toxic, I would just leave them. It's not worth the time to like sit in them and deal with it because it's just ruining your enjoyment of the game. Uh, simulation. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're dragging you down to their level and trying to make you also miserable with them. And I have found that no matter the online community, uh, if that is a group that is doing that, I don't want to take part of that group because then it's just ruining my fun. Uh, and like they're just just leave them be, let them have their space and move on, find new groups. That's right. Um, and you know, personally speaking, I have a lot of trouble um with somehow collecting a million new discord channels or new discord servers you know it's it's perfectly okay to take yourself out of the pool once in a while um and for your own mental health and self-care you know you don't have to be a part of every single conversation uh i have trouble with my own anxieties and fighting against that so um you know it, it's something that i feel drawn to is like i i just I need to have my finger on the pulse, but every once in a while, maybe I can take my finger off the pulse. I can take a step back and I can just refresh myself. Yeah. That's, that's the nice thing about this game is like, if you step away for like two months, you probably didn't miss too much. Like at worst you missed like one big thing that you can kind of come up to date on. So like, if you need to take some time off from groups or just like online, do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, is there anything more that we want to talk about um, when it comes to um, engaging with the like community of competitive players that we can find either locally or over the internet? I think the big thing is just always come at it with an open mind. Like, be yeah. willing to accept what people are saying. Like, be willing to be wrong as well. Yeah, like or be willing be to wrong. not only be proven wrong, but also accept that like you are wrong. Be like, oh, my opinion was wrong. And like it's okay to admit that people aren't gonna like like hold you up and be like, haha, this person was wrong this one time. Like I'm wrong all the time. And I'll admit it. I'll be like sometimes I'll be like, this seems overpowered, and then I'll like two seconds later I'll also be like, But what do I know? I thought Iona was bad initially. Yeah. Uh, we only know what we do not know. Yep. Um so let's skip down to um the topic of balance, um, because this came up earlier. So I want to try and hit this, um, pretty hard real quick. Um, what, what are we going to, we're going to talk about balancing the hobby of competition, both war machine and otherwise with the rest of your life. So, um, Marcy, we talked about, you are a student currently. So how do you stagger your school with uh with playing war machine or um you know any of the video games that you might be competitive in uh etc yeah so uh like just when it comes to school it definitely that in my work always comes first so like if i have to take a week off of gaming because of like i have a project or a paper i need to do i'll do it um but also there's like a lot of like things i'll like do shortcuts on to make sure i have the time for gaming and such like there's been times where i'm like oh i'm gonna go to this convention and i'll just like on the plane ride there and back i'll like 
finish up an assignment and like I'll front load my work. Like a lot of the times uh, when I travel, when I have to fly for cons, I will uh, take the week off from playing games and make sure I front load all my schoolwork. That way it's kind of like out of the way and done. Uh, and like thankfully a lot of the times when like school is wrapping up, it's typically like during the off seasons of War Machine anyways. Like my semester is ending now. I don't have any conventions or anything to go to. So like there's that benefit of school, but also just like being aware of like the cans and can't. Like maybe I don't have to go to all these conventions because like between school and work, I just can't afford it or have the time. So like realizing that like the game will still be there and putting your life first is still very important. Uh, but like there's a lot of like things you can do to like balance school and the hobby like between front loading work uh like doing schoolwork or whatever during downtime of like travel like if you're on a plane or like carpooling and someone else is driving like there's a lot of things you can do to like balance it without losing out on experiences yeah i totally agree um and so now we've always um we talked about uh some of the players and everybody in the community that you'll interact with but it's also important to keep in mind uh you're gonna you're gonna find that you might need to balance uh you know being a competitive person or a competitive player with um, your personal relationships away from War Machine or away from whatever you're competing in as well. Um, you know, I know uh, I'm I'm married. Paul's married. Uh, you're married. We've all got uh, somebody else in our life. Uh, or you know, if you don't and you want one, I hope you find one. But um, you know, ha I was extremely lucky in that my wife does a lot to protect um, and help me observe my interests and and my hobbies and she's always willing to watch the dogs so i can go to a tournament uh she's always understanding when i say you know i really need to spend some time and and go paint or something like that but um i i always make make it my business to try and go out of my way to be uh thankful to her for those things uh so so i will flip the script and whenever whenever it's her big important thing i will do something out of the way for her to pay her back to to show her how much how important it is to me that she affords me that balance what about you yeah so uh thankfully like elizabeth in the same situation has very been been very supportive of like my hobbies and just like life aspects of like pursuing school and work uh and my hobbies like she's always uh been super supportive of all that so like i'm in like that spot where like if i'm like hey like this weekend i'm gonna just like be gone playing war dolls she'll be like that's cool like yeah jenna says great more time on the couch with me and the dogs um but like <laughs> As you said, it, it 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 a lot of it comes down to like just very like normal like healthy relationship aspects of like also putting forth that energy towards them. Like if you're like, oh, like I was like I was at a con last week, and the week before that I had like a practice weekend. Maybe you can afford to like not play War Machine this weekend, uh, or like maybe do like a game on like War Table on like Sunday night or something. That's actually really and, important. Like, like just you mentioning that because it's really easy for you to go into I don't want to say a rut, but getting into the habit of going to event after event after event and before you realize it like a whole month has gone by 
that you were oh, away every single weekend. Oh, 100%. I definitely ran into that, like, when we first moved up here. It was kind of like an aspect of, like, oh, there's so much for me to do as, like, there's a steamroller, like, all the time, where, like, before it was, like, I got, like, a steamroller every few months. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, like, a bold new world. And then I had to, like, reel it back because i was like i realized analysts with pointing out and she was like hey like it's like an every weekend thing and i'm like oh you're right (laughs) i didn't even realize i've had that discussion before (laughs) um and it's a very much like just like as you would with any other like healthy relationship is like you have to put the time into both yourself and them and like doing things on both ends like as much as it's important to take a step back for your mental health and well-being if you're just not having a good time if they're having like an off week or something maybe like reschedule your games or whatever and just be like hey like not gonna make it i'm gonna spend some time with my partner and do whatever uh because like in the end like when this hobby is maybe no longer part of your life or you've moved on to whatever other things like you're gonna wish or hopefully still have your partner there like your partner if that is the intention is going to be with you for your life so like it's important to make sure that like that balance is there and like you're still focusing on like real life aspects as opposed to just like the game because while it's very important to have your hobbies and enjoy them it's also important to have healthy relationships with both your partners and just like your non-gaming friends like even if it's not your spouse and like maybe like groups of friends be like hey like i'm not gonna get games this week i'm gonna go to a concert with my friends and just like have a good time or like do whatever outing with them you know, uh, i've had the I've, I've had the conversation with grant and at the brawl i, I talked to seth for a little bit and I, every single relationship is different and you may have to have those hard conversations with your significant other to go and figure out where the balance is and you know it's just once you have like a kid in the mix like it, it changes a lot of things and you know we're like starting to like to realize that now and yeah it's just figure out how to strike a balance between everything and then if you realize that your life is not balanced then maybe you have to just reevaluate yeah yep communication yeah. is vital um in this area i'm convinced of it um you know a communication is about your expectations and the expectations of the other people that you spend time with um so when that conversation happens where they say I'm not expecting you to go to a tournament every weekend. Why is this happening? Um, You need to be able to understand that um, you need to communicate about what, uh, what the deal is, you know, what, how many tournaments am I going to go to? What is acceptable? What is too much? And for me, if I'm striving to compete, what do I consider to be too little? Um, You know, personally, I've, uh, tried to in the months where I'm trying to be competitive, um, I'll try to go to uh, at least one weekend tournament. So that's one of four months a week. I will make sure that I'm dedicating at least one weekend of that month to being at home with um, my partner, my family, um, or or a a close to home personal event. Um, and the other two weekends often end up being. Uh, picking up whatever the pieces are of whatever's left <laughs> and reacting to something or, um, you know, doing a spontaneous event uh, or, you know, maybe a second tournament if I can squeeze it in. But uh, that is like the system that uh, Jenna and I settled on and that we're comfortable with because we talked about it and and we both told each other you know what we were looking for and 
you know, what our limits were. Yeah, communication is important in all aspects of life. And that will hold true to balancing your hobby with your partner and your friends. Uh, like just making sure like you just talk and communicate about things, like figure out what limits are and what you both want from it. And typically you'll find some sort of solution from it. You should be willing to listen and be willing to change and respond to uh, things that you might not have expected you need to respond to. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and doing this can help you form a better approach to the hobby in general as well. Uh, so it's, it's really important that you, you try to be a little introspective and examine um, you know, what your goals are with the relationships around the game, around the competition. Um, so I'm going to quickly close this out with a couple of things that I've read over the years that I've seen over the years that I think could be helpful if you're looking for more information about, um, you know, competitive strategies or a competitive mindset. Um, there, everyone always goes to the example, but it's like the quintessential one. You could go to uh, Sun Tzu's Art of War. Just Google it. It's everywhere. Um, back in 1999, someone, oh my God, I just dated myself. Uh, someone wrote a great article about, uh, controlling the pace of the game and how to examine who's winning and who needs to respond. It's called who's the Beatdown." Um, and then there's also an author that I really like. He does a great blog and he develops, uh, competitive games himself. Um, so he's got an article and a book called playing to win by, uh, and it's written by David Serlin. Um, you can look those up. Marcy, is there anything that you think uh, our listeners could hit up for a good resource outside our podcast? Uh, any sort of like, there's there's so many breakdowns about like esports gaming, chess, and just like magic. Like anything from those, I typically like will skim over. And like, there's typically like good talking points in a lot of those. Like we talked about like taking care of your health. And I know there's a lot of like articles out there about like chess players who uh, like focus their diets and such. And like there's just so there's just so much knowledge out there with the ever evolving uh, aspects of like competitive gaming that like even though it's not war machine centric, you can still take the core of a lot of those and just apply it to this. Like, I know, like, the Who's the Beatdown article you're talking about. Like, I read that uh, when I was playing Magic. Uh, and, like, it, like, you don't have to understand Magic. Like, a lot of the context there is, like, still very much like, okay, like, basically you're just taking the game and breaking it down into different aspects and trying to evaluate it to, like, where you can switch it. Uh, and, like, all of this is, like, so very important. Uh, there's nothing specific that, like, stands out to me, but, like, I always find those articles just so interesting because it, it, it's it's so cool to see how they apply to just like any sort of competitive aspect all right well i'm gonna go and say this is that um we've been recording for about an hour and 40 minutes now um are we going to be able to talk about mark four and keep this under two hours yeah let's do it right now <laughs> all right well all right. go ahead marcy, um, hit us. Yeah, marcy what are like... your thoughts on on mark four uh, as a competitive player how do your uh, current skills transfer over? I mean, I still think a lot of the core game is the same. Like, the only thing that's very different is, like, movement itself. So, like, it'll just take time to understand, like, the nuance and, like, working of that. Uh, but, like, the game's still War Machine. Like, you're still list building. It's just in a different 
nature. Uh, you're still like trying to play the game of War Machine. A lot of the things are the same. Uh, so like I think skills from competitive players will just transform over fine. Like you're just learning new aspects of the game. Yeah, I agree, and I think that is also a vote for uh, trying to be a competitive player because. Uh, even though the game is uh, turning into a whole new edition, you can always take these lessons we're teaching forward with you to your next game, regardless of what format it is in. Um, let's talk about... Oh, so you've had a ton of success this year. Uh, are you going to keep putting your nose to the grindstone um, and, and chasing your next, uh, you know, your next masters, or are you going to take a step back this year, uh, this coming edition and, and see who else comes up? No, I'm definitely going to keep grinding. Um, <laughs> Expect the, early, <laughs> the, the early part of next year is a bit up in the air. I graduate end of this year. So like, Oh, congrats. It's, it's always weird when it's just like, Oh, like I have to like be an adult, like full adult now. Um, so like between like work and such, like I'm going to probably, I'll probably be at like Captain Con, but like LVO is a question mark. I'd like to do Welsh Masters, but that's a question mark. So there's a lot of question marks the early part of the year, uh, but I will be applying for WTC again. So like, I'm definitely, I'm definitely in it for the long haul. Great. So that's awesome to hear. Um, tell me, what do you think uh, you're personally most excited for? and least excited for i am most excited for not only another another wtc of course but also i am super excited for like um all these new factions like uh winter core storm legion orgoth dusk whatever hordes factions come out at gen con like all this new is like my favorite part of the game because there's such a wide range of things that need to be learned and such a wide things of a uh, wide range of things that can be like built and like tinkered with and there's just so much like nuance that you can take from a new faction like we've seen it with grimskin we've seen it with like when convergence came out we saw it with infernals like anytime there's something new it just shakes up the game so much and the fact that we're getting so much new to start off is like so exciting it really is a gigantic whole new world um, so, so I don't want this to be a, a negative tone, but like, what thing are you least excited for? Is there something that you're going to have to relearn? Uh, or is there like, uh, some, some part of that grind that you were talking about that, uh, that is your biggest drag? Uh, what do you think? I mean, I think, uh, like, a, I think change is a double-edged sword. Like I'm most excited for the fact that there's change, but also like the, the thing that like looms over me the most is like, oh, this is new, this is change and I could be bad. So like, I think the, the aspect of something new is scary because it's a very much unknown. Uh, and I think that's kind of like the thing I wouldn't say least excited, but like the thing that like weighs on me the most is like new is scary. Um, <laughs> But like, like we've seen a lot of like talk about like steamrollers being shaken up. And it's not that I'm not excited for like a shakeups of steamrollers. It's just the fact that like what I'm used to is going away, so it's hard for me to fully evaluate it without playing it a bunch. Yeah, it's been weird because or I don't want to say weird, but the the new steamroller or the beta steamrollers or the beta scenarios that they release at warfare weekend i i was a fan of it at least the 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 direction i i i'm pretty sure that anybody could say like there might be some polishing that needs to be done but i like the direction because fighting over arbitrary rectangles and circles like yeah it's neat but i think i'm more of that narrative kind of player that i i want to think of why am i fighting over this thing you know it's like 
It, it, King of the Hill, we're actually fighting over hills now. I mean, we're calling platforms, but we're actually fighting over hills. Like, I, I, it's exciting. I like it. Yeah, and and that's uh, it, you're right, and that helps you get the uh, like the fantasy of the game and and get invested and get involved too. So, um, I I liked those scenarios too myself. Um, I am excited to be uh, you know approaching the game in a different way. I'm excited for all the the different combos that might be waiting, ready to be discovered, kind of under the surface when. I put these two units together because they're brand new and I've never done this before. Um, and, and I'm, I'm really hoping to see what everything else, what everyone else comes up with too. Um, but, but also that's like my Achilles heel is, is being uh, prepped for those matchups and those surprises. Um, so, so I think that's the part that I'm most apprehensive about is the, all the, uh, like the arms race that's happening and everything my opponents are going to use against me. <laughs> Marcy, what, uh, what else you got for us? Do you have any questions for us before we uh, close this out? So how excited is the tried and true crew to run Nova Open? Oh, absolutely. I'm currently working on, or at least the plan right now is that I'll be running the narrative event at Nova. So I think the current plan is to do the Orgoth invasion, but you know, more details to come because it's like, you know, a year out, but I'm really, really excited about it. I've been working on terrain, uh, doing some really cool centerpieces. So yeah, I'm stoked. Uh, how about you, Dan? Oh my gosh. I, I'm like, uh, I'm kind of like gripping my seat because I'm like, I'm really excited to be involved and to have a chance at running such a big, um, uh, event that's so, uh, well known and you know has a pedigree to it um but i'm also like super apprehensive because um you know i i know we did the the sussy scuff and all that but you know this nova open is gonna be a big event with several different uh attractive uh you know games that you can play in tournaments you can play in a narrative event there's a lot uh that's going to be going on that weekend and I, I know there's going to be a lot to do. So I'm like having flashbacks of when I was planning my wedding. I'm like, oh, geez, we're going to have spreadsheets everywhere. It's going to be, uh, there's going to be a lot. But, um, but, you know, we personally, I do it for like the love of the game and for the love of the investment. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't mind that. It's just, uh, you know, I always have a certain amount of uh, trepidation when I go ahead and, and run something. But I'm excited for it. I'm excited for a whole new world of Mark IV and convention. Yeah, it's it's going to be a great year. Um, and so I hope all of our uh, listeners will join us in, you know, celebrating that, uh, uh, that new edition uh, and trying to bring yourself to the next level, uh, being a little bit more competitive um, and framing up your mindset to get ready to, uh, you know, go toe to toe with uh, a good enemy uh, or a, a worthy opponent, as it were. And I think at this point, uh, Marcy, this is the end of the episode. Do you have any final comments? Not that I can think of. Just keep playing War Machine and have fun. Well, this has been a great episode of Tried and True. So for everybody who stuck it out for this almost two hours, thank you so much for listening. And we will catch you on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. See you on the next one. Bye.